This week on the Recruitment Flex, a star is born at Wreckfest. Are we seeing the beginning of the end when it comes to employer reviews? And we share our recruitment scam stories. Welcome to the Recruitment Flex with Serge and Shelly. I'm Serge. And I'm Shelly. And we talk all things recruitment starting right now. Hey now, I'm Serge, and as always, joined by my co-host Shelly Billinghurst. How's it going? Hey Shelley? now, Serge. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, we are back. We Shelly, you look so refreshed and happy. Thank you. I am. I've got a whole new burst of energy going on. I tell you, do you? It's well, awesome. You- you did some pretty big moves. We're mm-hmm. going to talk a lot about what happened in London. Tell us a bit about your trip out to Atlantic Canada. You know what? It was really yeah. amazing. As I've said on the show, my parents had not seen their grandkids in three years since they were three months old. Yeah. And now they're almost three and a half. So all that time spent, they got their fix. The girls nice. were great. Atlantic Canada, for people that have not been there. It's definitely a place that you should visit. It's got great people, great scenery. It's just a laid back lifestyle. It's a great part of Canada. It's interesting. A lot of people in Toronto don't go really west or east. And people in say Western Canada don't go further east than Ontario or Toronto. True. Go see Atlantic Canada. I grew up there, so I'm a little bit biased, but you've been, Shelly. You've been yes, I have. Yeah, mm-hmm. I have. And I loved it. Absolutely loved it. It is such a beautiful part of the country. But you know what I really want to know, Serge? Tell me the look on your mom's face when she saw the girls. Well, my mom and my dad. Okay? And your dad. Yes, of course. So... When Tell me the looks came- on their faces when they saw their grandbabies and how beautiful they are and how cute they are. Well, you know, you never know what's going to happen because they've been seeing them on FaceTime for a long time. And so we drove up. First of all, they didn't realize how big they are because on FaceTime, they look smaller. Of course. Yeah. And the girls, I didn't know how they were going to react. Mm-hmm. And they just ran to them and like, mimeo, pipe, and gave them <laughs> big hugs and kisses and so excited to see them, which- You're going to make me cry. <laughs> I know melted my parents' oh. hearts because you never oh. know. They were thinking yeah. it's going to take a little oh. while for them to get used to it. And, and obviously Mallory, the oldest one, I was very excited to see them as well. And she's oh. a charmer in herself. So she played all the right cards. You're crying, Shelly. Really, you're crying <laughs> well, right now. I'm happy. <laughs> I put myself in their shoes and I think to be able to see how big they are and I can just picture them running to them. Oh my God. It's every grandparent's dream. So, and you know what? It was like that that. every time they saw them. And and even when we had like family aunts and uncles come visit yeah, and they never met them and they were like big hugs and it's just like saying, Hey, this is our family. And they yeah. were ecstatic about it. Oh. And when they left, they give big hugs and they have this sweet little voice saying, Oh, I love you. Like I, I can't mimic it, but it's just the <laughs> cutest voice. I know. Like so precious. Oh my God. It was very special. And I do not regret. I deeply kind of regret missing Wreckfest, but family is the most important thing. And obviously you have kids and when you yeah. see your kids, even as they grow older, I want to know about that. Then we'll go into Wreckfest because I think the audience yeah. wants to know everything about the legendary Shelley visit at Nebworth Park, <laughs> which is 
hosted the biggest concerts in the world, but it's also hosted Shelly Billinghurst. Which it doesn't get <laughs> too fitting. But you saw one of your sons, right? When yeah. In London. Yeah. Oh, man. Tell me it about was, that. Yeah. So Parker was flying in from Berlin to London. And I swear to God, British Airways canceled his flight three hours before oh. it was supposed to leave. Oh. He'd already taken the train to Berlin, which is four hours away from where he goes to university. So now he's stuck in Berlin. And the next flight that they offered was following Tuesday. And I'm like, not helpful. So we scrambled, got him on a Lufthansa flight, but it had a nine hour layover in Brussels, which turned out to be fantastic because Mm -hmm. Parker just put his stuff in a locker and hopped on the train and saw Brussels for nine hours. It was fantastic. He was a full 24 hours later when he got there. So he ended up staying an extra couple of days as well. Did you cry? Did you cry when you saw him? I did. Yeah, I knew you would. Like, You're such a mom. I saw, mom. I saw him halfway down the block and I'm walking towards him and then I just start running and I'm yelling, Parker! And he's like, oh my God. Oh. You know, like, <laughs> looking around, moms, don't embarrass me. I'm really happy that you got to meet up with your son on top yeah. of everything that you yeah. did. So I, I want to know about breakfast. All right. So okay. I, I'm going to question uh, I you. I so wish you could have been there. Serge, honestly, I'll be there next God, I missed you so much. And the whole time I was there thinking, I wish you could see this. I wish you could experience this. We've worked so hard to bring this podcast to life. And you're really so much of the driving force behind it. And I thought this is the reward we were so working towards. And when I was taking the train out there by myself, and all I could think of was God, I wish you were in the seat beside me. I know, but you know what? We'll be there next year. And I've heard rumors that it's potentially going to be Wreckfest in the US. I don't know yeah, if that's you know, a true I, rumor or everyone, not. I know Tim Sackett was saying he's trying to get them to bring it to somewhere like Boston and not Vegas. Yeah. There's a lot of venues. I think they're seriously starting to look at next year, bringing it to the US. Okay. Paint me a picture. I'm walking in. What, yeah, what mind blowing. What's, what's going on? Just the sheer scale of it was mind blowing because Nebworth Park is really just a big open field attached to this little town called Stevenage. And they had transformed it into a festival. If you've ever been to music festivals where they've got five or six stages all around that you can just walk from stage to stage and listen to different performers. Well, it's the same idea. And they had a Ferris wheel and there had to have been a dozen different food trucks And some of the vendors had full blown like party going on with DJs and dance floors and free flow and booze. It was mind blowing. Tell me about the vendors. Let's start with that. Who were the vendors that were there? So there were a lot of local vendors that were based in the UK for things like the traditional stuff, reference checks, background checks, skill assessment companies. There really wasn't anything that I thought, oh man, we don't have that in Canada. Okay. There really wasn't. Some of the big players were there, of course, like iSIMS, Smart Recruiters had an awesome, awesome booth. They had a double-decker bus. They had free drinks and just tons of stuff to do. iSIMS had a really cool booth too. They had a putt course and a bar right there that you could just go and chat with everybody about whatever you wanted to talk about. And 
some of the local staffing agencies, they had some pretty impressive booths. But I think for me, the one that blew me away the most was Hack a Job. Hack a Job UK. They gave away soccer jerseys. They had a full-blown DJ. It was just decked out as if it was like a nightclub. It was unreal. And just booze. Oh my God. Just free-flowing. Yeah, absolutely. So So, how was it set up? So there's different tents, right? With different speakers. 10 different tents hosted by the who's who of the TA industry from around the world. Like Hung Lee was hosting employer brand and they had leadership and they had disrupt and they had technology and they had everything to do with talent acquisition, 10 different stages. So how is Hung Lee in person? Because we've met him several times (laughs) over Zoom. I know where you're going with this. He was hosting the employer brand tent and I went over to say hello to him. And as soon as I walked in, his whole face just lit up and he threw his arms open. He was so instrumental in getting us off the ground and just encouraging us with the podcast. And he had a smile as big as the ocean. He was so welcoming and he was just like so happy to see me. He forgot to ask where you were. <laughs> well, no one cares where I was. No, they did. Right? No, they did. No. And so I will say his pictures do not do him justice. He is really good looking, (laughs) really good looking and very fit. I'm just like, oh, wow. Shelly, Shelly. Yeah, a little bit of a celebrity crush there for Shelly. Who else did you meet? So I'm walking through the festival grounds and keep in mind, there's 4,000 people there, 4,000 recruiters. So it's packed. And I see this guy walk past me and I'm like, it's Tim Sackett. He's got like an entourage around him. I'm standing there and he looks over and sees me and a face just lit up and he just made a beeline to me and gives me the biggest hug. And we did some selfies and we did more hugs. Do you know what was really surreal was after being in lockdown for two years, either this was going to become the biggest super spreader event and take down the entire TA community in Europe. We were outdoors, so nobody was masked. It was a perfect weather day. Absolutely beautiful. And just seeing everyone in real life. It was amazing. Well, you sent me a bunch of texts from our counterparts in Australia. So Lauren. Oh my God. Craig, how were they? From the time I got in, they messaged me right away. Hey, where are you? What are you doing? Get your ass over here. They were only on their second pub and they were going to do a pub crawl down Fleet Street. So I'm like, oh, hell yes. So I meet up with them and it was so much fun. We got so drunk. Oh my God. Everywhere we went, I've got this one. I'll maybe share it on our social media of Lauren knocked this picture crooked on the wall. And I swear Craig was just berating her for wrecking the place. It was hilarious. These guys were too much fun. We became the best of friends. Lauren and I are just absolutely BFFs. You're very similar. a lot of time together. I could see it. I could see the similarities and I could see that you guys would connect. So that's great. She also invited me to go to Gordon Ramsay's restaurant, 1890, that just opened up. She made reservations like months ago. Nine course meal. Let me tell you, that's my first time ever at a Michelin star restaurant. And we were both speechless, honest to God, every course that they brought around and the wine. Oh my God. 
I tell you, it it was an awesome experience. And we really spent a lot of time talking about business and some really good heart-to-heart talks as well. I just love her. I, she's just my new friend, my new best friend. Tell my me about being on the Disrupt stage with yeah. Joel and Chad from the yeah. Chad and Cheese Show. How was that? Yeah. The crowds in the morning were unreal. Every seat was filled and people were standing at the back. When I was on stage with them, I think what the audience wanted to know is, are certain things universal? Like what's happening in Canada? Because Chad and Cheese between each speaker would talk about what's happening in the US. And then when I came up, we talked a lot about what are some of the universal themes in Canada? It was great. We had about 15 minutes and I introduced the next speakers as well, which was the country marketing manager for Indeed for UK. And she was on stage with the senior vice president for iSIMS UK. And they were talking about the use of video in the job ad. That was their topic. So very, very interesting. And then we closed it out. Craig and Lauren had brought a bottle of whiskey. He brought this all the way around the world. It's 30 hours flying from Australia to London. It's crazy. 30 hours. Then Craig hauls around for the whole day, a 40 ounce bottle of whiskey for Chad and cheese. What was the biggest insight of the whole conference for you? I think for me, the fact that talent acquisition is not that different in Europe than it is here. I had this impression for some reason that their technology was further advanced than ours. And it's really not. They're more open to trying new Mm. technology, whereas the Canadian market is very hesitant and they're scared to make a big decision. We usually wait for the big five in whatever industry to make the move first. What I was surprised was what I didn't hear. And I didn't hear that anyone's planning to move from pure ATS to more a CRM style of tool. For some reason, had the impression that in Europe, that was more the trend. The applicant tracking system is really just an electronic filing system. But no, there's still a lot of talk about applicant tracking systems. Fan favorite, though, still smart recruiters. Yeah. 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 I've been a smart recruiter users in multiple companies. It's gaining popularity. Yeah. For sure. That's what I heard most commonly was just how good they are. All right. We're going to have pictures on our site because there is pictures of you of walking through a crowd and everyone looking at you. You were a celebrity. <laughs> like everyone knew who Shelly Billinghurst is. I even got messages being like, I can't believe I met Shelly. The Canadian celebrity Aww, has gone yeah, to know. the UK and made her mark. So let's jump into recruitment insights and I'm going to give you the opportunity okay. to kick us off. Okay. The first one is something I know you and I and Kim Will. Wilkinson, when we've had her on the show, we've talked about this. And that is, is there really a need for a university or a college degree? So I picked up on something. It was an article on resumebuilder.com that just talked about what's the reality for college grads? Do they end up working in their field? Because you could go onto every single university's website and they will claim something like 90% of their graduates are working. What they don't say though is did they get a job in the field that they studied? That's the biggest bait and switch that you go to university thinking that you will get a job in your field. But this article quoted 34% of college grads said they could have gotten their current job without a graduate degree. One out of five couldn't find a job related to the major that they took. Now, 
That's a big, broad sweeping statement because you and I've talked about this before in that if you've got a Bachelor of Arts degree in American history, well, what do you expect? <laughs> what are you going to get that a job what Parker doing, has? Right? <laughs> <laughs> Love him. <laughs> but take that with a grain of salt. One in five. Okay. You got to think, well, what did they take? But two out of three. That's 75% of grads earn less than 60K a year. Now that I think is a real wake up call for university grads, because everyone hears the urban legend story that you're going to earn 90,000 right out of university. There's always one that actually does it, but this study said 75% earn less than 60K a year. Serge, I know you read the article too. What stood out to you? A couple of things. The first point that you called out was 34% of employed college grads could have gotten their jobs without a college degree. I think that number is way higher, right? Were they classifying because it wasn't a job ad, but did you really need that degree to get that job if your hiring manager wasn't forcing it. I think that number is probably like 60 to 70%. The other thing, a lot of people coming out of university think they're going to make a lot more money than what they actually make. And that's part of life, right? Like when I came out of college, I thought I was going to make a lot more money, but I realized that I had to pay my dues and build up my value. So it's shitty for them, but university have sold this. I mean, like, hey, invest 200K, you're going to come out and you're going to make a lot of money. It's going to be a good return on investment. I think what we're realizing in the last five years, 10 years, and we've talked about this, there's been no major disruption to the whole university, college, and how people approach that Mm -hmm. because there is no more return on investment. You're looking at these people coming out of school and making like 60 is actually high. I hear stories of 40, even like less, coming out of degrees thinking they would be making a lot more money than see other people that didn't go, but have a four-year head start on their career and are already making a lot more money. Let's just say this. If you need to be a doctor, a dentist, if you need a very specific skill set, you need to go to university. But before you consider that Bachelor of Arts or- (laughs) No, I hear what you're saying. I think the stat that a lot of high school kids are given is that somebody who doesn't go to university has got four more years of earning ahead of you. But at the 10-year mark, if you have a university degree, you will be making more than someone who does not. But I think this is very old data. And maybe we should put some research into this to find out what is the recent numbers telling us? Because a lot of that data is based on the 70s and the 80s. I've not seen any recent research. The other thing that I wanted us to talk about is software developers. You've got junior developers that can't find work. So how can we say that there's a shortage of software or development engineers? There's no shortage. There's plenty of them graduating. This study said eight in 10 grads had difficulty finding their first job. Wow. Well, in one way, I feel bad for them. The other side of it too is they feel by going to university, they don't have to grind it out. As the person dingo is way more willing to take a lower paying or start at the bottom and really Mm -hmm. prove their worth. University degrees are 
a little bit more entitled, in my opinion, that, hey, if it's not going to pay that 80,000, that 90, 100, I'm yeah, not going yeah. to take the job because I'm too good for it. If you look at the richest people in the world, the majority of them don't have college or university degrees. They usually have dropped out really quickly. And we can talk about their idol. I say that loosely, Elon Musk. He is the richest man in the world and he has yeah. created the most innovative things that we've ever seen. And no, no university degree. There's still a massive advantage of going mm-hmm. to different universities. Don't get me wrong. It gives you a head start in some ways, but that head start and that return on investment is not the same as it was. The message here is for us recruiters that are dealing with hiring managers, we need to start bringing these stats in front of them because when we talk about screening out candidates? How do we figure out screening in candidates? And the minute that you're putting university, college degree in front of it, we talk about diversity. If we look at people that graduate from university, it's very skewed to white professionals, to white people compared to other backgrounds. I know. And when I see those sorts of things on job postings, and then you look at the company, it is absolutely the case. Because we're on LinkedIn, we're constantly being sent, oh, this job looks like it's you know, a good one for you. And when I look to see, does it require that you have a bachelor's degree? And then I look at who the company is. Almost every single time, it is a pure white company yeah. that only wants to hire more of the same. And this is not a recruiter challenge because I think recruiters in general get it, right? We just want the right person, the best person for the role. Where I think we get pushback is with senior executives that have gone to a particular school and thinking, if you haven't gone there, you're not as good as I am. And we only want those people of high quality and even lower level middle managers thinking, hey, I went to university, they should go to university too. But the skill sets that are needed are not necessary. And yeah. if you look at the top employers, let's say in the space of talent acquisition, indeed is the golden child, right? It's the place where I think a lot of people would say they're very happy they've worked there or are trying to work there. Indeed doesn't require a university degree anymore. They changed that a couple of years ago. Is that uh, right? Yeah. You look at Google, you look at Amazon, there's no requirement. They've removed it because they understand that they were screening out really good candidates. So as a recruiting function, we have to do a good job of educating our hiring managers that no, it's actually not required. We're putting ourselves at a massive disadvantage by putting that in our job ads that don't require it. There is jobs that require it, but I would say 70% of the jobs out there actually don't need a degree to be successful. I would challenge our TA community to have the courage to question your hiring managers. When you're doing your intake, ask seven levels of why. Yeah. Ask why at least seven times. And what you will find every single time is that they just don't know any better. I'd hate to think that people are intentionally being discriminatory by saying you have to have a university degree. I just think it's always been done that way and nobody dares question it. So I challenge the TA community, call it out, question it. If you're really serious about finding great talent, you need to question everything. And I'm not blaming the hiring managers. Part of it is it's not their world. We all share a role, right? If TA is tasked with just that, bringing in good talent, 
then we owe it to our leaders to have them really think through why this is important. I agree. I want to move on to the next recruitment. Yes, this one's juicy. It is is really juicy. And I've been in this space for a long time. So you and I think we've seen the advent of employer reviews on sites. Glassdoor is really the one that everyone knows about. Obviously, Indeed has a very active review part as well. We're seeing more and more. And a lot of job seekers look at these sites as a way to see if this is a place to work. And I think James Ellis said this on one of our podcasts, they see their Glassdoor score as how strong their employer brand. And we know that's really flawed, but a lot of companies look at your Glassdoor number as we're doing a good job or we're doing a bad job. It is a bit of a bellwether for sure. It is a bit of a bellwetter, but part of it, it relies completely on people going on and giving anonymous reviews of what that company is. Without that, it doesn't work. I'll give you the highlights here. A California court has ordered employer rating site Glassdoor to hand over the identities of users who claim they had negative experience working for New Zealand toy giant Zuru. With this ruling... They want to go and actually sue the reviewers for defamation. The judge in California interpreted the New Zealand law and said, no, you have to hand that over based on their laws because they have stricter defamation laws than the U.S. and even Canada. This is very interesting to me because Mm -hmm. it makes me think, and I'm probably not the only one, but maybe I'm too dialed in this But am I going to go put a negative review if there's a chance I can get sued for putting that review? Where do you stand on this, Shelley? What struck me was the absolute irony that this toy manufacturer is trying to defend their reputation of being a great employer. The very fact that they are doing this is going to drive more traffic to review them like any company is going to get negative reviews sooner or later. But to decide to take this out in court and try and sue the people that reviewed it and saying that they're untrue, it's such an extreme reaction. I think it's going to have the opposite effect that employees are just going to say, you know what? The truth was revealed. And the line that they were quoted just made me sick, honestly. The company was quoted as saying, we value our employees. Okay, who doesn't say that? You find one company career page that doesn't say that? Like, they were just stuck for anything authentic to say, any level of creativity to counter, respond, or even just own it. Because a company that's a billion dollar a year company, to think that 100% of your employees are going to be happy is just stupid. Like, what the fuck? Of course, you're going to have unhappy employees. But if it's five or six people out of 10,000 employees, well, that sounds about right. You've got nut jobs everywhere, whether it's New Zealand or California or Canada, right? There are hashtag crazy people that just no matter where they work, they're going to be unhappy. Such great points. I didn't think about it till you just said it is actually going to have the opposite effect for that employer, because a lot of people are going to be curious and go digging in to see what these reviews are. Just the fact that they're going to sue an employee 
for putting what they feel is the truth is insane. Who is their PR person? Because that person needs to get fired. This is probably a very similar situation to the PR team at better.com. The PR person is like, you do not do that. And the CEO is taking this very personal. And there's a reason why turnover is so high. And they're blaming the turnover now on this. I'll give you a secret here. It's because they're a shitty employer. There's no <laughs> and other do way. You know what? I, that's what I think. People are going to read this and take the side of the employee. Yeah. Even the quotes that they gave in the article, it's pretty normal. I challenge you to go on any company site and you will eventually find in their reviews similar things because companies have shitty supervisors and managers, right? Yeah. And my experience as an employee is based on my direct supervisor. There isn't a single company in this world that doesn't have some moron that was promoted to a manager who's got no fucking business managing other people. Everyone that reports to them then has a bad experience. That's real life. I get all the interest in something like this because being able to anonymously review an employer, that's the point. And doing it without fear of retaliation. Yeah. I'm surprised that a California court thinks that somehow they have the authority to do this, right? No clue how that works. I don't either. But what struck me is a CEO, he felt, oh, well, that's why we're losing so many employees because someone lied (laughs) on it, not having a realistic picture of what it is to work there and taking it personally. Yeah. And what I'm nervous about is other CEOs like him thinking, oh, well, that's the solution. That's what we're going to do, which is going to have a negative effect. And I wouldn't want to be a PR team of one of those companies because it's the worst possible move you can do. It's going to be fascinating to see if it puts a little bit of fear in some people of actually to write reviews, thinking there might be some type of pushback or retaliation that could affect them. No one wants to be sued, right? No one wants to go through that whole process. I don't think it's going to have any impact in the near future to Glassdoor and Indeed, but something to look at. All right, let's jump into the next one. We got a message from a friend of the show. They were experiencing a really unusual trend where you're on a video interview with someone and it appears that they're lip syncing. And I was like, that's wild. Obviously the resume was good enough to warrant an interview, but when you get this person on, it appears that there's someone hidden off camera that's answering and they're trying to limp sick to what this person's saying. Nothing surprises me. Hey, like the shit that people will do to think that if you did get the job and it really wasn't you, that somehow you could perform and there's no consequence. Like what the fuck? I've never heard of such a thing, not on video, but I know you had shared that you had. It's a little bit different. I, I think this situation is the next step into the scam that I saw where you interview people and they seem great. And you eventually hire them. And on the first day, it's not the actual person you interviewed at all. So I think what's happening here is that was being caught, right? That doesn't make any sense. How about we do this over video, have someone answer and just lip sync it. So when that person shows up to work, they think it's that person. I don't know what the underlying of it is. Like to your point, you show up, you can't do the job. There's a lot more to it, but this particular person was saying this happened multiple times Yes, in the type of role she was hiring. And that's a little bit shocking because I've never really heard of it. The old bait and switch which where one person goes in to interview and then someone else. I had a client where that happened. It was a manufacturing 
operation. And the person they interviewed and the person who showed up on day one were two different people. <laughs> like, okay, that's just bizarre. This all leading up to a really interesting story that I was reading about a company in California. And this is by far the most elaborate scam I had ever heard of. You know, on company career sites, sometimes there's been warnings yeah. that people or other organizations are impersonating them. Yeah. And these are third parties and they're scams. I know some big multinational corporations, construction, manufacturing, et cetera. You'll often see that on their website. But this was a small company in San Francisco, in Silicon Valley, like 50 employees. That's what makes it even more surprising is the size of the company. But a scammer had contacted candidates and was using a Gmail account to say, oh, congratulations, you've been selected for an interview and had them do like an online questionnaire, then follow up with, oh, we were going to extend an offer to you and send what looked like an offer letter. And when they were onboarding them, started asking for credit information. That's when people, I don't know how many people might've been bamboozled by this, but that's what kind of ticked people off was like, I'm applying for a software developer. Why do you need my credit card number? And that was the scam for getting people's credit card numbers. Can you believe that? I can believe it, but in all your years of recruitment, it's never happened to you. So not personally, no. And I know of several companies here locally that have a disclaimer on their website to be aware that we will never send you or ask you for credit information as part of our hiring process. I'll tell you a situation that happened to me a couple of years ago. I had someone reach out to recruitment being like, Hey, I got your job offer. I'm really excited to start. I need more details. And this person was calling from India. What happened that particular situation, very similar of this approach, but it was put in a context like, we'll help you move to Canada. It's going to cost you $5,000, but we'll get you through the process and we'll get you hired. So this Come person- on went through the whole interview process, got a job offer. And I saw the job offer and it was a legitimate person within the company. They obviously went on LinkedIn, got all the information. The person interviewed with someone in North America over Zoom. And we don't know who that was. Got the job offer, thought it was legit. Then suddenly they get the money, then they disappear. And this person's like, okay, I need to line up everything. I need to be ready to move. So that's oh, when the call God. came to me. And I start digging in and knowing exactly the role. I asked them to send that. It looks like really legit. The email address is even legit in the sense that they spoofed it. They spoofed the company. Wow. So it looked like it came from that real email. And this poor person was put in a position that they gave a lot of money. One of their goals was to move to Canada and their dream job. This is something that we have to be aware of as talent acquisition, recruitment professionals, especially working for companies that are well-known. There are people that are trying to take advantage of leveraging our brands, and we have to do everything possible to make them aware that there is possible scams. To your point, you see a lot of scam warnings on a lot of sites of well-known mm -hmm. companies, and that's not always the best message to put out, right? Watch out for a scam when you apply for this company. I know that's not exactly what it is, but it's, it's very sad. And it's something that we just have to be aware of. That's yeah, happening yeah. Out there. I don't know if a lot of talent acquisition people realize in Canada, you cannot charge a candidate to find them a job. No. It is illegal. Now, if you go into other countries, it is commonplace. 
that you will pay someone to get you an interview. In some countries, the level of corruption and deceit is just unbelievable to us. And we wouldn't even think to look for that. The moral of the story is that we in TA need to be aware that there are a lot of scammers, especially taking advantage of people that want to come and live and work in Canada, where in their home country, they're being represented or being told that they can come to Canada and be hired when in fact, they wouldn't know any better. If you were in a foreign country, how would you be expected to know the employment laws of Canada? No. Right? Like it wouldn't dawn on you. Your story of this individual who probably paid thousands of dollars to be represented and to get this job only to find out they were scammed. So be aware, buyer be aware, talent acquisition folks, let's make sure that we're doing everything possible. Obviously we can't control all of it, but it's happening out there. Shelly, what's up for the rest of the week? Anything exciting on your end? Not this week. Brooke and I are going to go to some concerts. Orville Peck. Have you heard of him? No. So good. So good. He sounds like a cross between Johnny Cash and Elvis. This guy's voice is like silk. Oh my God. It's just great. So he's coming to Calgary. So that's on the agenda next week. Yeah. I'm going to go see Orville Peck. I will check him out. He's a country musician. I love it. It's from South Africa. I just Googled him. <laughs> so everyone, thank you for listening. Yes. Really appreciate it. Have a great weekend. Thanks for joining. Bye now. The world's best known investor and Wall Street expert, Warren Buffett, once said, Wall Street is the only place that people ride to in a Rolls Royce to get advice from those who take the subway. Mr. Buffett's quote is remarkably accurate, but how many people would rather receive advice from him than someone simply guessing? Welcome to Buy, Hold, Sell, your single source for Wall Street knowledge and profitable guidance. Please join me, Todd Schoenberger, and fellow trader Tobin Smith, as well as host Veronica Dudo, for a podcast known to move the needle for investors. Tobin and I are seasoned Wall Street executives with deep investment experience, and we are prepared to share our advice to those who choose to listen. Download Buy, Hold, Sell today on the Evergreen Podcast Network or your favorite podcast channel.